Welcome to Israel Matters, or Why Israel Matters. Um, the way I anticipate us starting off, however long it takes, we're going to kind of lay the foundation for the promises made to the fathers, and we probably won't get past that tonight, and then the promises made to the conquerors and to the kings, and through the prophets, and then the warnings about them being driven from the land, and then the promises of them being taken back. Uh, I have a lot of videos that we can show when I run out of steam <laughs> on this. So I think I got steam for a couple more weeks anyway, and then we've got watched some things a whole lot more interesting than me. But first of all, we'll pass out maps. This is the, this is the borders of what God promised Abraham when he first began communicating to him. And of course, his children have never, through, through um, his children through Isaac, he was told, in Isaac your seed shall be called. So the descendants of Abraham through Isaac, uh, maybe through Ishmael and Esau and Keturah, you know, he had six more kids after Sarah died. Uh, maybe they've, they've done way beyond these borders, but he, to, he was told, in Isaac, your seed will be called. Of course, we know that seed is Jesus, but still, uh, here's the actual borders that they did once inhabit, that they no longer do. This is as big as they got. Yes. Come in. Come in. In three periods of their history... They're, the highlight of their history is under the reign of King David and King Solomon. Um, a little bit of, I'll sit here, you can sit over here. A little bit of trivia, uh, under David's reign, they grew and he conquered Jerusalem, which I call his second giant. Uh, when he faced the giant Goliath, he reminded himself of past victories. I remember the lion. I remember the bear encouraged himself in the Lord, and by faith he slew the giant. And then with the giant's head, he took a walk to, guess where he went? To Jerusalem, which one day he would conquer. So I guess he showed Goliath, hey, look at this big boy, like a flashlight. Here's where we're going in the future. All right, here is current Israel and disputed territories, which... I like to call current Israel. Uh, if you've read the Old Testament, you know they've always been in conflict and border skirm skirmishes. And what got Solomon in trouble was attempting to make peace with their neighbors by marrying the king's daughters. And before it was over, he had 700 wives and 300 cucumbers. <laughs> Somebody's listening, right? So, uh... The area in yellow is called the pre-67 borders. And because of 67, they conquered these other lands and even the Sinai Peninsula, which they gave back to Egypt. But they have to hold on to the Golan Heights because uh, that's prime attack territory. So it's under their domain, so the enemies, their enemies cannot go there and shoot rockets at them. Um, the Gaza Strip is completely under what is called Palestinian Authority control. And then Judea, can you believe Judea is disputed from being the land of the Jews? And Samaria, um, the jurisdiction is split up between the Palestinian Authority and Israel's authority. And so um, my purpose, I think, in this class is to have a biblical understanding because this nation is under attack, not just politically and militarily and economically, but also spiritually by some churches through re replacement theology um, saying, you know, there's no need for that. And even people in Judaism denounce the land. And so rather than jumping right into the New Testament debates, I want to take my time going through the Old Testament and enjoying the journey, and so we'll cover a bit of their history just by reading scripture and talking about what we read. So, 
These are the promises made to the fathers. God initiated a relationship with Abraham, uh, then known as Abram. He had done that before with Adam, of course, his, his first born of creation, and Enoch, and Methuselah, and Noah, and others we probably don't know about. But Abram's family made a journey towards Canaan. They were heading there, and they wound up staying in Haram. Haram. And in chapter 1 of Genesis, here is God, Yahweh, L-O-R-D, capitals, God's name. Uh, He said to Abram, and here's a quote from God, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so his descendants are going to be a blessing to the earth. Now, one of the other promises made to him said, in your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And we know that seed, which was in Abram, is seed of Jesus that he fulfilled and brought blessing to the world. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot, who was his nephew, went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the Terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were there in the land, were then in the land. So the Lord promises them this land, which is full of uh, dangers, people, obstacles. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So right here at the very start of recorded biblical history of Abram's relationship with God, God leads him to go to the land he's going to give him. And so he does his he does the first Holy Land tour. <laughs> he looks at the land, and God's telling him, "I'm going to give you this." Uh, I think there's another verse about where the sole of your foot treads. I'm going to give you. So the land is promised to Abraham and his people. So there is a connection between the land and the descendants, the natural descendants of Abram. This is God himself talking. Okay? God does not lie. He can change his mind, but he does not lie. And so he's given this promise to Abram. And then he reiterates it to Abram more than once. And then he gives a promise to his son Isaac and to his son Jacob. And then 400 years later, to a man he's chosen to lead his people out of slavery that he had told Abram would happen to take them to this land that he promised. So that's the ground I hope to cover today. Any comments or input so far? Yes, sir. All right. And now are we referring to the green land on the first map? That is uh, covered here. We'll see the borders laid out. And someone took that map and drew the borders that God promised Abraham. Okay. And so Abraham at this point hasn't been given the borders. He just went to the land of Canaan. Okay. But which, so which this is that's more than Canaan. Occupied Canaanite land? Uh, there was more tribes there than just Canaanites. But Canaanites were there. Yeah. So the initial promise is Canaan. Okay. And then he goes beyond that to everywhere your foot treads to here's the borders. All right, chapter 13, verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, that's a whole nother story, 
Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Look in all directions. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. (laughs) That's a long time, right? Mm -hmm. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in the Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. So anywhere there's trees, there's shade, and there's some source of moisture. So it's a good place to camp. So notice in both places, after a promise, he worshiped. He offered a sacrifice. He built an altar. He stacked stones to remember this promise. How many promises has God given us that we didn't even write them down? We didn't record them. We just kind of, okay, all right, another prophecy. Yep. whoop de doo This is God, his word, who is in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. So this is God's word making a forever promise to a guy he, for some reason he likes. He wants to bless. You know, I'm thinking about the Canaanites, if they were the big giants as Abraham walked through, that the Israelites found 400 years later, that would have been scary, you know, to walk through that land where they occupied it. Yeah, certainly were part of them. Were they the the descendants of Canaan, one of Ham's sons? Mm Mm-hmm. Were they? That's a homework assignment. Dig that out and see that were the Canaanites the descendants of Canaan. See, Ham had four. Uh, Ham had four sons. Ham disrespected his father. His father woke up and cursed one of his sons. He did not curse Ham. Huh. Ham was not cursed. He had four sons: Cush, Foot, Phizraim, and Canaan. Cush is the father of the black race. The other ones, other nations, great descendants. But Canaan got the got the curse from Noah. And I'm not wanting to argue that Noah spoke under the operation of the Holy Spirit, but he didn't bless Canaan for some reason. So could it be this was them? I don't know, maybe not. There's more than one Enoch in the Bible. There's more than one Joseph in the Bible. It could be that kind of deal as well. So dig it out. All right, chapter 15, verse 18. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, and here's the boundaries. To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt, that's the Nile, which did you know it flows from east, I mean from south to north? which isn't up, I mean, it just water flows down, right? Mm -hmm. All right, to your descendants, I've given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Where's that river at? Around by Iraq, right? That's really wide. The Kenites, the the Kenizzites, the Cabanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, there's your answer, Bill. The Girgashites and the Jebusites. He is displacing nations to make room for Noah's people. Now, as Americans... Many Americans like to denounce Israel for denouncing the poor Palestinian people, but everybody knows there was no such thing as a Palestinian until Israel became a nation. And then the land that was called Palestine, the Jordanians that lived there claimed they were Palestinians. Okay. 
deceptions in world, world history. Meanwhile, as Americans, we... Have you ever seen a map of North America divided up by the tribes, the natives, the indigenous people that were here when our forefathers came here to settle the land? We displaced nations across vast territory. Here we are hassling little Israel for the steel. Anyway, that's a whole other thing I'll whine about another week. Anyway. All right, his promises to Abraham. Now, um, God made this covenant with him and changed his name to Abraham or Abraham. Um, it is believed by theologians that Abram, which means father, Abraham, which means father of many, um, received a part of Yahweh's name. God is spirit. Ruach speaks of God's spirit. And so he put a in Abram's name after this covenant. All right, chapter 22, verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. This was when he offered up Isaac. Blessing, I will bless you, verse 17. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven. And as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Now, he's comparing them to earthly and heavenly things in terms of their descendants, stars of the heaven sand on the seashore, dust of the earth. And then he gives this promise, in your seed, singular, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. But this seed had to come through his descendants. So for the seed to come, not being Isaac, there had to be a nation born. Have you ever done your family tree? You can go backwards. And just like going frontwards in history, your family tree is going to branch out and multiply. Going backwards, it multiplies. You have two parents, four grandparents, eight great-grandparents, 16 great-great-grandparents, 32 great-great-great-grandparents, and it just keeps on going. And so we are the descendants of a nation of people ourselves. And so here... Abram has promised this nation is going to come from him that can't be numbered, and yet out of that is going to come a seed that's going to bless the world. And this is connected to the land because the seed came and was born in Bethlehem, right? The Word was made flesh in Bethlehem. Mary was from Israel. Even though it was occupied territory under Herod and, and Caesar, the Roman Empire. All right, so that's promised to Abraham. Okay. But God speaks once, yea, twice, but he does, he speaks even more than that. He's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, so each of them have to be visited and given this same promise. So any comments so far on Abram and Abraham's promises? Any insights or things you've thought of that didn't share? reading it as in your seed a nation and now I'm reflecting well in that seed that's Jesus correct Paul brings that out mm -hmm. seed singular the nations of the world so blessed. just blessing all yes. the nations yeah. so, in the Gentile nation yeah. so I took it as oh there's my scapegoat it's in the Old Testament as a Gentile I can get in according to this but you kind of oh <laughs> I guess there's a different way to read this well, I, I, I don't think you're you're far off you may be right on more than me but um, I was going somewhere um, even though nations were being displaced by this man's people 
the nations are going to be blessed. And there's a principle there. Even though you may not be happy with what God is doing, in the long run, you're going to be blessed. Just hold on to your horses. Trust God. Either he's God and we're not. We're not running this thing. And who knows how wicked those people were and they needed justice. Some of them offered children of sacrifices. Some of them other atrocities. If you study ancient history, it's horrifying. Even our own forefathers' history is horrifying. All right, Isaac, or Isaac, which means laughter. Abraham laughed when the promise was given, and Sarah laughed. God named him laughter. All right, chapter 26, verse 2 of Genesis. Then the Lord appeared to him and said to Isaac, to Isaac, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land... And I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. Of heaven, I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. There it is again. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Now, the law of Moses wasn't in existence then. But God gave some commands to Noah. It was called the Noah Covenant by some people. Um, The Lord swore some things to Abraham and actually made a blood oath to him when he had Abraham make some sacrifices of animals, split them in two and lay them out. And then Abram kept some birds away, kept the birds away, waiting on God. He obeyed him until God put him to sleep. And then God came down as a burning oven and a smoking torch and passed between the pieces and made promises to him, which included what was going to happen in Egypt for 400 years but he was also going to bring them out and be a mighty nation. Now, what is it by going between the pieces? It, God was saying, may I be split into if I do not perform my word. May I become like these animals if I don't. So he, he, and Abram, normally when a person made a covenant like that, it would be two people between the pieces making an agreement. And what's Abram? He's asleep. And God makes the covenant with himself which to me is a picture of Jesus. His body was split all kinds of different ways, even though he was whole. His bones weren't separated or broken, um, out of joint, but not, no broken bones. But his skin was split. And spiritually there was a split where, however it happened, if, if just for a moment, he was separated from his father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was that the divine separated from the human? I don't know. The point is, he experienced the curse that would be ours to experience if we ever broke our covenant with God. Jesus was punished for us. And so, through that, we really have assurance. So, in blessing this land to Abraham wasn't just God talking. God made an oath. (laughs) We really have to keep that in consideration. All right. Uh, Chapter 28, verse 1. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Sometimes those neighbor girls look really pretty, but for you, this is not God's will. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Go marry your first cousin. (laughs) May God Almighty bless you. So this is Jacob 
I mean Isaac prophesying over his son. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger which God gave to Abraham. So God is a faith God. He has this man declare himself to be Abraham, the father of many, and he has no children by his wife. And gives him a land where he doesn't have any deeds or titles or houses. <laughs> this is yours. You're a poor rich man. You got it going on. Yes, oh, you mighty man. And Abraham has to believe it. And God says, that's a righteous man. One that believes me in spite of all the surrounding circumstances. So God's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Jacob went out, verse 10 of Genesis 28. Jacob went out from Beersheba and came toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. So he had a stone pillow. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to the heaven, reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants will be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. <laughs> Behold, I am with you. And will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until what I have done, until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. There is none other. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. This is the text that is used when churches take on the name gateway, referring to the latter. God, the place of revelation, the place of angels ascending and descending, the place of promise. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar. So here's another altar, poured oil on it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city had been Luz, previously. Bethel means house of God. Anybody know what Luz means? Light? In Spanish it's Luz. The place of revelation. Well, light. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Geographically, uh, you have an idea where, when it says he went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. I don't, I can't make out the names on this one. Well, this was pre, you, you got to get better maps. There's a ton of maps that we can print off, but that's a good point. I'll try to find one that shows where that is. You may have it in your Bible even. All right, so we have Abraham visited by God and often making an altar after the fact. And then one of the visitations, he makes a sacrifice at God's instruction and then God puts him to sleep and makes this blood oath by passing between the pieces as a burning torch and smoking oven. And then Jacob putting a rock upright and pouring oil on it and naming the place Bethel. He goes back to this place later and seeks God's help, and that's where he wrestled with the angel and got his name changed to Israel, which the nation is named after him. 
So he has 12 sons. One of, their, one of his sons gets sold into slavery by his brothers. And uh, God turns it all out for good where he be- becomes prime minister of Egypt overseeing all the riches that God had let, led him to help Israel accomplish or, or conserve. And here comes... Ten of his brothers, then eleven of his brothers, and then his dad, and they wind up settling down in the land of Goshen, there in Egypt. And Pharaoh dies. Another one comes to power who does not really respect Joseph nor them, and before long they're made slaves. And so, four hundred years they're in slavery, and they grow into a mighty nation. Hard times don't always break us. Hard times often will make us. (laughs) And so God begins to visit with a man who who felt concerned for his people, Moses, Moshe, and prematurely tried to make a difference and then wound up in discouragement and fear, fleeing, become a shepherd and a husband. And one day out watching his father-in-law's sheep, he sees a burning bush that's burning but not being consumed. And he steps aside to look at it. God tells him, take your shoes off, you're on holy ground. And in speaking to him, the Lord said, Exodus 3, 1, 7, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. So there's those big borders again. All right, jump down to verse 15. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. And so Abraham obeyed and it was not easy persuading the people. And it was not easy persuading Pharaoh. So when going gets tough... The tough keep on going, and then God helps them and fulfills his word. So it wasn't just to free a people from slavery, but it was to take a people from slavery to their own homeland, a land flowing with milk and honey. You ever thought about what that means, a land flowing with milk and honey? Yes. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I think of flora and fauna. Fauna is livestock. Flora is vegetation. Bees need vegetation. They help vegetation pollinate. Um, You don't have bees, you won't have as good a harvest because they help pollinate certain plants. Um, And cows, goats, and sheep, they need vegetation to eat. So there's your milk. There's your honey. So there's not milk flowing in streams and honey flowing in streams. There's work involved in this thing. The land is there. If you'll work it, there's all this prosperity. And what we'll learn in the coming weeks is as God is drawing the children of Abraham back to their original homeland, there's a blessing on their farming that was not there before. Mm -hmm. Somehow they're able to grow things there that weren't grown there before. Mm -hmm looks just like a bunch of rocks. Mark Twain in the 19th century toured Israel, wrote about it in one of his books. 
Nothing there but a bunch of mosquitoes and swamps. Not a very good place. But yet, God says it's a land. It's it's such a faith-building lesson. Said in tulips to Holland. Wow! <laughs> yeah, uh, they're winning awards with their wine now. <laughs> I, I have heard that they sell a lot of their produce now through Europe, mm-hmm. which is why this this boycott against them was not working too well because people were going, they got the best apples and peaches. <laughs> you know, people wanted their products still through Europe, so it was kind of hard to make that boycott work because, yeah, they're producing top of the line. And they, apparently they're like California mm-hmm. is us. There's a proverb that says God makes all things for himself, even the wicked for the day of doom. Even those that resist him, God uses for his glory. I mean, look at the cross, the empty, the empty tomb. There's a backdrop to show the miraculous. Um, a diamond does not show up well in a bed of other diamonds. The diamond shows up best on something that's opposite to it. So in the midst of their enemies, even in the, even enemies within, I mean, it's not an easy deal. Even inside, there's enemies. Um, treachery. Let's <laughs> see there. Undeniable. All right, back to Moses. In Exodus 6, verse 2, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, by my name, Lord, or Yahweh, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. He made it to Abraham between the pieces. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. God doesn't have to swear be believed. He's he's the truth. But to give us more assurance, he swore. And he repeats himself. Because we often forget. Now, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and let your no, no. Don't be making oaths. Because Many people are liars, and they have to make oaths to be believed when we ought to just speak the truth to begin with. Well, God speaks the truth to begin with, but to give us assurance because the things he says require such faith to believe them. He made made an oath. All right? In setting up the Feast of Unleavened Bread, God brings the land into it in Exodus 13, verse 4. On this day, you are going out in the month Abib. And it shall be 
when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. What was the reason for the unleavened bread feast? We know leaven is a type of sin, and so, you know, thorough repentance regularly is good. So God put it in the Jewish calendar that at least once a year everybody repents and tries to get all the mold, yeast, and fungi, funguses, out of their houses. That's not the only purpose for unleavened bread. It's to remember their deliverance from slavery because it happened so quickly they did not have time for the bread to rise. Mm -hmm. And they ate unleavened bread. So things are rolling along. Chapter 23, verse 23, God says, For my angel will go before you and bring you in to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Verse 31, I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the Sea Philistia and from the desert to the river which is the Euphrates. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. So even uh, before they begin to settle the land, they become a threat to their enemies. And as they you know, cross over the Red Sea, they become this threat. And the threat of them begins to dread. And so when they made it to Jericho, remember what Rahab said? We heard about you people. We heard what your God has done. So the conquering has begun. I don't think they really finished and fully obeyed God. But before we look down on them, do we always fully obey God ourselves? What blessings are we missing out on for stopping short of full obedience? All right, chapter 32 of Exodus, verse 13. God speaking to Moses. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, who's Jacob, your servants, whom you swore by your own self. This is Moses talking to God and said to them, I will multiply your descendants of the stars of the heaven and all this land that I have spoken of, I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So Moses is reviewing what God has said. He was a prophet. All right, back to God speaking to Moses, chapter 33, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it, and I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. So while we see some battles, God is helping them in those battles. He's the one driving them outward. But they have to obey him. They have to honor him. They can't be hiding idols under their tent. Um, And it's happening. Joshua got to lead the way to fulfilling these promises. So this is the foundational principles of the land. It's promise to the fathers. And God is known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So their name lives on as part of God's name is their names. He is the father of many. He gives us reasons to laugh. And Jesus is the prince of peace. He is the great Israel. And so... 
there's this nation that's blessed. Why are they chosen? They made a promise to their father. If you had a neighbor who had children and the neighbor put in his will, asked for permission, can I put you in my will to raise my kids if I die? You agree to it? And then you die, or your neighbor dies, and then you fulfill your promise to your neighbor. Those kids may be horrible kids. They may not be worthy of what you're doing. You know, no good deed sometimes gets unpu- goes unpunished. But you're going to fulfill it because of their dad. So God made a promise to Abraham. And if he does not keep that promise, he has an integrity problem. Yeah, well, he didn't have much to say about it because God put him to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, think, I think that's the point right there. God put him to sleep and it removes all of the... You know, we tend to think of things, agreements in terms of contract. You know, you perform and I perform. But because Abraham was asleep, his performance was removed. It's all a covenant. And so it's a true covenant. You know, God is saying... I don't care what you do. You can be over there asleep. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. So where he was in the will by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want your kids. I'll yeah. take your motor home, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And <laughs> <laughs> there was something I heard somewhere along the way, and I think you may have just touched on it, about when God put the hay in Abraham and Sarah, something about God breathing God's breath into him. Yeah, Sarai, Sarai became Sarah. So there's the breath sound in there. Somebody said the ha is the Hebrew for ruach, but that's not it. Ruach had ha in it, but ruach had more letters than just the the letter for the ha. I don't know what it, what is that letter anyway. Yeah. What do you think that? Oven and the torch represented that God <clears throat> sent through the pieces of meat. Smoking oven, burning torch. I don't know. I always see God as word and spirit. Um, so the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Um, Spirit is a consuming fire, but the oven is what throws me, the, throws the curve. That's what throws me. Yeah, I don't know about the oven, but I think part of it actually is reflected in the way that he led the children of Israel through the wilderness, you know, with a pillar of fire oh, and a pillar of smoke. Yeah. So I think that that's a reflection of him, yeah. just a precursor to what he's doing. Yeah. The fire and the smoke, yeah. smoking oven. That's good. Yeah. That is good. That's good. Wow, precursor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a precursor picture of what, of what was going to lead them through. He's promising to lead them out. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's good. So that's an individual picture versus smoke. Now this is how I look to the nation. Hmm. Why well, ask the right question in the right group? <laughs> that's good. That's good. Anybody else? I see that they for today's standard, they don't have much of the land promised to them. Compared. They need more land when Blake and I move over, over there. So right. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be a lot more of us over there. Didn't they get the, all the land? Like in 19, when it became a nation and then parts were taken away? No, no this, the, the yellow, mm-hmm. in 1948, the yellow part was given to them, right? Oh, okay. Well, it was just a ceasefire line. Pieces, wasn't all connected? Or? No, it was a ceasefire line. I mean, ceasefire line, okay. Yeah. It's just, it was nothing more than that. It was just a place to, okay, we're going to stop the war. But they were actually partitioned. 
Hmm. Okay. But don't want any return to the ceasefire lines. Right. Well, no, but you've got nine miles. Uh, it's very hard to. It's it's more than nine miles down to Crescent, isn't it? Or at least the mountains. Yeah. Miles, more than nine miles. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And especially with the mountains, it's very hard to defend a nine yes. mile zone. Yeah. And that's where eighty-five percent of all Israel lives is in this this coastal area. Yeah. It's under the gun, you know, if they were. Mm-hmm. We all like to be. Went back to to those borders. Yeah, I. You know, you attack us, we're going to take more land. You don't like this? Well, you shouldn't have attacked us. They're forced to take the Golden Heights and other enemies anyway. Is that in the War of 67? And they got the Golden Heights? <coughs> we'll learn more in the future for sure. Okay. Yeah, they took Jerusalem, I know. Oh, yeah. 67. They just should have annexed it. That's the simple answer. If they had just annexed it, Judea and Samaria, we wouldn't have this problem today. Moshe Dayan, who uh, certainly was a Jewish, was a Jew, but he had been raised among Arabs, and he was a secular Jew. And he, you know, he gave back the Temple Mount. That's what I had. And he also, uh, you know, put his foot down about annexing Judea and Samaria. It's just as simple as that. They should have annexed it. And everybody might have been fussing. But uh, we wouldn't have the problems today we have. The Jews have done that from the beginning. Because God said, kill them all. (coughs) The, The Amalekites... Two people were Amalekites that we often forget. The man that reported Saul's death, yes. and Saul said, go ahead and kill me, mm-hmm. whether he did or not, he took credit for it, was an Amalekite. Mm-hmm. And who caused Esther, during the time of Esther, who caused the Jews such trouble? Heron? Um, Haman. 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 Yeah. He was an Amalekite. 